Funds People Podcast, a voz dos profissionais de investimento. Olá, seja bem-vindo a mais um podcast de Funds People. Uma das questões que se colocam hoje em dia é como encontrar diversificação num cenário de yields baixas e com a inflação a persistir. Para te falar sobre este tema, temos connosco o Cristian Balteiro. Ele, o Cristian é o responsável do produto, com um enfoque em multiativos na gestora Nordic Asset Management. E na liderança desta conversa estará João Paulo Silva, que faz parte do Departamento de Desenvolvimento e Marketing do Novo Banco. João Paulo, please, go ahead. Good morning to all, good morning Christian, and thank you for uh, being available for this interview. And uh, let's start uh, then with the first question, and uh, very specifically, how is the traditional 60-40 portfolio being challenged by the current market environment? Of course, Joao. Well, first, let me just uh, thank you and also Fund People and everyone who is listening in today. Uh, for the invite it's a pleasure to have the opportunity to to get in touch with our portuguese clients uh and i'm very happy to to have the opportunity to to discuss this topic that i think it's particularly relevant uh, in in these days uh, this is something we have been discussing with our clients already for for some years now there is as you say a big challenge for traditional 60-40 portfolios and, and one of the main reasons uh is the fact that expected returns for traditional asset classes are considerably lower uh, for the decade to come compared to what they have been able to deliver over the past 10, 15 years. Uh, that is particularly problematic or that is particularly the case across fixed income assets. Uh, why? Well, because we come from a very strong bull rally in, in yields, in rates. So yields have continuously been moving down over the past 20 years or so, um, uh, let's say 15 years maybe. And that, of course, has pushed the historical returns of, of fixed income assets, particularly highly sensitive to interest rate uh, fixed income assets uh, over, over these years. But that implies that there is very little room for those to continue to go upwards. Um, on the other hand, credit spreads are also at uh, fairly low level. They have bounced back a little bit over the past couple of months. Uh, but in general terms, uh, they are fairly low and default rates are also extremely low. Now you could say, well, but the fact that default rates are very low should be good for credit. Yes, it's good for credit in the sense that, uh, you know, you will not be losing uh, money uh, because of defaults, but that also implies that there is no room for defaults to continue to move down. So defaults as a catalyst for further spread compression have disappeared. So it seems like everything is on the hands of, you know, uh, central bank authorities uh, and also on the appetite of, of investors. If investors want to take risk, then that could push valuations higher and, and then returns a bit higher. But there is not much more room to go for fixed income assets. So if we think in terms of you know, what is the expected return we could get for European investors in government bonds, say maybe 0.2, 0.3% per annum over the next 10 years. If you think of a German bond or if you think of a US treasury hedge to euro, that's the type of return you're going to get if inflation stays uh, at 2%. Um, if you go into credit, well, uh, the way we look at the world in the multi-asset team, and for those of you who are familiar with, with Nordea's multi-asset team, you know that we decompose asset classes into the underlying risk factors that explain the return and volatility. So we decompose them in what we call risk premium. If you think of the European high yield or the US high yield benchmark, uh, then of course the return that those benchmarks offer is a um, decomposition of or a combination of the cash rate, 
the duration, the sensitivity to interest rates, and the credit spread, which is the compensation for the likelihood that issuer will default, right? So duration for us, it's government bond-like that would come out. And then what we need to be looking at is the credit spread sensitivity, the, the compensation for the default. Now, that credit spread sensitivity offers also fairly low returns going forward, given the low level of spreads we have discussed, maybe around 2% best case scenario. So if you want to generate returns above 2%, which in case, again, inflation goes uh, aligned with the targets of central banks of around 2%, if you want real positive returns, you have to go beyond credit. And what is the next thing? A big if right now. Yeah, which is a big if, but we can discuss about that later. Um, the next thing is equities. And equities are probably, in our view, the only asset that will be able to deliver uh, 50%, uh, sorry, 5% returns per annum going forward uh, along those lines. So if you think in terms of a 60-40 portfolio, 60% equity, so let's say six times five, maybe you'll get um, around 3% out of your equity return, and then the other 40% of the portfolio uh, in government bonds, then you'll get close to 0% on that. So that means that a 60-40 portfolio from a strategic perspective can give you something like 3 3.5% per annum. Um, that is extremely low compared to what investors are used to for the amount of risk. Furthermore, there is a, a diversification issue. So government bonds are not as good as they were historically at diversifying equity risk. So if we think in terms of a 60-40 portfolio, the reason why we have 40% bonds is because when equities sell off, normally it's because the economy is in a recession or there is a risk event like COVID-19 that makes central bank authorities intervene, lower rates, that pushes bond prices up. The problem is that where rates are today, where yields are today, there is very little room for those yields and rates to move much lower. And COVID-19 was a very good example. In March, February, March 2020, equity sold off 35% from the peak. Treasuries gained around 4%. Boons remained flat. They, they rallied a little bit at the beginning, but then they sold off again towards mid-March. So there was no diversification whatsoever. And, and that is a big problem together with the low expected returns. Okay. Uh, so it looks like the, the, the current investment environment is particularly problematic for bonds in general. Uh, so does this mean that uh, we as investors uh, should be looking at a, a portfolio uh, of 100% equity portfolio? Does it make sense? Well, I mean, don't quote me on that. I, 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 as you know, we're not in the business of advising clients. And of course, uh, I, I I would tend to say that uh, the best thing investors can do is to reach out to their advisor, um, uh, which, you know, will most likely be able to guide you through on how you should uh, allocate uh, your capital in your investments, uh, in your portfolio of investments. But uh, what well, you say me, has some truth. Let me rephrase it, of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, since the, the 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 correlation or the the decorrelation seems to be not working anymore as well as it did, does it make sense to move? Okay, not a hundred percent equity, of course. It's, that's the extreme, but move away from the sixty forty portfolio to seventy it, thirty eighty twenty and so on. I think it depends. If you have that type of risk profile, if you are willing to sustain a level of, of volatility above 10%, so maybe 10 to 15% over the full cycle, 
and much higher levels of volatility during stress market environments. We have seen volatility reaching 30, 50, 80% over the last couple of years for short periods of time. But are you able to wake up tomorrow and find that your portfolio has lost 30% over the last few weeks? If you have the stomach and the risk profile and the liquidity profile to sustain that, maybe that could make some sense. But I would tend to argue that you have to also be careful about you know, which type of equities you have in your portfolio, right? What are the biases that your portfolio has? Uh, do you have a very clear concentration in high growth stocks that are very sensitive to interest rates? Um, do you have a very high concentration to value stocks that, you know, in some cases have very little or meager expectations for growth and that lag the market massively between 16 and 2020? Um, do you have a lot of IT? Do you have a lot of, you know, sector concentration uh, that it's prone to higher levels of volatility? There are many things to consider. I would, I would, I would argue that you need to have a more diversified exposure. Then we need to try to, we need to strive to have a more diversified exposure, even within equities, even if you have a, a high concentration of equities to the portfolio. But I think for most of clients out there, most investors out there, particularly in Europe, they have a more defensive risk profile. They cannot take that high level of volatility, high level of drawdown risk. And then I think there are other sources of return they can. Uh, rely upon, uh, which, uh, you know, probably do not necessarily fall in the space of, of either equities or bonds, uh, but they are a bit more in the alternative space. But hopefully, I think we will have the time to, to discuss about that uh, later today. Yes, yes, absolutely. But before we move on to alternatives, just one more question. And given that really 100% equity portfolio is really too risky for the for most investors, <clears throat> and doesn't make sense because there are some diversification benefits. But uh, so looking again back into bonds, uh, does owning government bonds uh, make any sense in the current market environment, or should that 40% part of the portfolio consist only of corporate uh, bonds, or mainly of corporate bonds being investment grade, be it uh, high yield, or even being emerging market bonds? Look, to, to be completely honest, I think that that depends uh, quite a lot of what type of fixed income asset we are uh, discussing and also what else do we have in the portfolio. Uh, again, the way we see it at Nordea's multi-asset team is that we do not look at asset classes as a sole thing, but we try to decompose, you know, why is this asset paying me some return? If an asset is paying me some return, it's because I am getting exposure to certain risks in my portfolio. Okay, how many risks are embedded in that particular asset? And then I would tend to agree that, you know, high quality government bonds understood as treasuries, boons, guilds, Australian bonds, Canadian bonds, Swedish bonds, like highly rated AAA countries where there is no credit default premium, uh, let's say embedded. Those are a good proxy of interest rate. 